the entire medical establishment was against her and they were going to put her kid in jail and like take him away and like play up the degree to which the medical authorities were opposed to it. Those kinds of, you know, triumph over medical adversity stories end up getting into the public bloodstream and just planting this idea that like doctors don't actually care what's best for their patients. Right. That plus mean doctor Allison Janney really feels like a a real now that's what I call maintenance phase kind of moment, right? Where you're like, doctors are mean and they don't care about you and you got it like, you know best, like they don't know shit. Right. It didn't feel like this was like a thing that had happened and that he was sort of documenting in this way. It felt like we need a plot for this movie that is more than I did some research and I found this and it worked for my kid. Yeah. Essentially what happens from here is that this leads to this major spike in research around the ketogenic diet as treatment for epilepsy. So there's a study that comes out in 1998, once again from Johns Hopkins University. They publish an update in 2001. This was a larger study. There were 150 participants. And basically their findings were a more modest version of what had been discovered in the 20s, that the diet could reduce seizures in epileptic kids, but that the biggest stumbling block was just being able to stick to a very restrictive and often very costly diet, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So after a year of this study, almost half of their subjects had dropped off of the diet. So they couldn't really measure its effects because folks couldn't stick with it. It's like a metaphor for all diets, right? That whether or not they're effective is kind of secondary to the fact that most people can't maintain this level of restriction over the long term. So it's almost like irrelevant whether it works or not, because like no one's ever going to be able to do it forever. Totally. So currently the ketogenic diet is approved for use by the NHS in the UK. Mm -hmm. It's covered by many US insurance plans. It's pretty mainstream. Although it's usually these days considered sort of a last resort for kids with drug resistant epilepsy that sort of you get to drugs before you get to a dietary sort of fix. Right. They know that it works, but they don't know why it works and they don't know why it only works for some kids, like why it isn't sort of universally Hmm. applicable. It's like, why do some people fart on Lester and some people don't? basically. (laughs) It's exactly like that. Yes. Thank you. I needed that to help me understand it. Here is where things take a turn. We've got this like, you know, the lion's share of a century. This diet has been specifically for children who have this one specific health condition. Right. And something happens where it sort of takes a turn into weight loss land. It turns out all those kids are thin and fit, looking amazing. They're ripped. Yeah, these ripped ass kids. So low carb diets had already been a thing. As you noted, we had like the Atkins diet. His first Dr. Atkins first book came out in 1972. There was a big wave of popularity then. There was another big wave of popularity of Atkins in the sort of like late 90s, early aughts. Mm -hmm. There is in 1976 there's another low carb diet comes out called the last chance diet which is a real creepy name so this is a quote from men's health magazine in 1976 a ketosis leveraging method called the last chance diet took off its rule you drink a fat and protein rich concoction until you lose your desired amount of weight oh the diet's creator osteopath robert lynn sold 40 million dollars worth of his elixir but you were also supposed to have a physician's supervision to ensure that you were getting the necessary vitamins and minerals few people did 
robbed of minerals, your body can't perform certain functions like sending electrical impulses to your heart. Oh, as a result, the last chance diet contributed to the deaths of at least 60 people. <gasps> what? The fallout included new regulations, a negligence lawsuit for Dr. Lin and research on ketosis being banished to academic Siberia. Whoa. Well, yeah. You kill 60 <laughs> people. People aren't going to cite your publication, Chad. Totally fucking wild. The, the entire paradigm of that is ridiculous. Drink a shake until you reach the desired weight. Okay, great. Then what? Right. You're going to go off the shake and you're just going to gain all the weight back because that's what bodies do. Or you're going to stay on the shake and you're going to die. And you're going to die. Like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Those are your options. There is this sort of like false economy of like thin people thinking that the mechanisms to lose 10 pounds and the mechanisms for fat people to lose 100 pounds are sort of the same. So they're like, you just do it more. Right. Right. So because of that kind of facile logic, which like I get how folks get there, there's also like I would bet you money that a lot of the people who died were fat people, right? Right. I also, I should say, I, I have people in my life that have been on low-carb diets for, like, years. Sure. I, I think, like, most people, they sort of started doing it on during the Atkins wave mm. and have ended up adopting, like, a modified version of it that, like, more fits in with, you know, your life that you have to go to social events and you have to be a person and eat at restaurants sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody can 